And that's the way the cookie's crumbling. For Chips Ahoy, Omar Aronson. What would Caleb Kirby's sign-off be? I'd be like, and that's how she's going today. I'm Caleb Kirby. <clears throat> you need something. We're losing! Teamwork, guys. More teamwork. They're burying us alive! Eddie Shore? Oh, piss on Eddie Shore. Old-time hockey? Piss on old-time hockey! You're blowing it! And now, between the stammers, your unofficial Canucks cast, here's Arden Caleb. Breathe easy, Canuck fans. They've scored a goal. They've won a game. First postseason game that the Canucks have won since 2015. Don't give me all this crap about how it's not actually the playoffs, technicalities. This is postseason hockey. They won a postseason game. How do you feel, Art? Feel great. How great? Scale of 1 to 10. Actually, if I'm being honest. Oh, okay. Here we go. (laughs) About a 7 just because I'm really tired. Okay. There's no no room for you to be telling everybody you're tired on Between the Stammers. Really? There's a jam-packed hockey podcast. We don't need you musing about the fact that you woke up early this morning. Nobody's impressed by it, especially not your co-host. I couldn't care less how early you woke up today. Between the Stammers, it's August 5th, 2020. The Canucks get that much-needed win to tie the best-of-five series at one game apiece with the Minnesota Wild after getting shut out in the first game, a debacle, I would say. Art Aronson here alongside Caleb Kirby, who wasn't at the last podcast, so he told me he was coming in gung-ho on this one. I wasn't at the last podcast because we've been recording on Wednesdays, and I wanted to record that Wednesday, but I, I allotted for you. But now I'm catching shit because, Oh, so you know, you're putting this on me. I'm just saying. I distinctly remember a text message that said, Oh, Friday? I'm good to go. Well, you know, at Malahat, she's a harsh mistress. How are you feeling about the Canucks now? I'm feeling better. And um, I, I think, you know, like, I, I think the first goal, like, you can't under, like, you can't, you can't really, like, under, like, what's that word I'm looking for? I can't even think Understate. about it, right? Understate how important that first goal was for Tanner Pearson there early in the game to get these guys going. Like, that was huge, 20, 24 seconds into the game, first shot of the game against a goalie who stoned you in the yeah. last game and in the regular season. And, like, pretty much every time the Canucks have played him in life, <laughs> he's stoned he's stoned them. So I mean, like for a guy like Tanner Pearson to get in there, get on that rebound quickly, get the puck back on his stick. Well, I guess it wasn't really a rebound because it was over over top of Staylock. But to go get that puck back on his stick, turn around and just absolutely rip that over his shoulder, huge goal. And then you kind of got a feeling that like if the Canucks were able to do that, the floodgates would open and Minnesota would have to play a less structured style of game for the rest of the game to try and catch up. What a second period it was. Three goals in the second period. That just kind of, you know, blew it open, right? Yeah, but can we go back to that first period for a second? Because I want to talk about that power play where we got a turnover. We're, we're going we're gonna to get into the whole game. Are we going to go there? Yeah, we're going to get into the whole game. Well, why are we jumping into the second already? What's going on here? No, no, no. I'm, I'm just saying You're that, messing me up. I'm just saying the <laughs> second period was what, it, what drove this t- game wide open. Well, you're teeing it up again? I am. Okay, so on today's Between the Stammers, we're going to talk about Elias Pettersson not being pushed around, Jake Vertanen 
in, Adam Gaudet out, Louis Erickson in, Tyler Toffoli out, Furlan looks like he's hurt again. Uh, Travis Green, what do we feel about him after, you know, making some adjustments after game one? We'll talk about the rest of the NHL because there's games every day, six games a day, like a smorgasbord of postseason hockey going on right now. Okay. Remember that Monday where you and I just sat and watched all six games in a row? Yeah, it actually happened. That was glorious. Nine o'clock in the morning. I think I think the game started before we even got up. Yeah, not by much though. Yeah. It was like a couple minutes in. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh and you know, we had talked a lot about on this podcast on whether hockey should be back or not, or whether you had decided in your head that you were comfortable with this season already being over. But here it is. Six games every day. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, I don't hate it. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a pretty good way to kill the time and just watch, you know, all these different players from all these multi-talented teams that a lot of the time, because we're in the West, we don't really get to see a lot of these East Coast teams um, as much as we are even on these play-ins, right? Like, you get your NHL on NBC kind of day game of the week, it's usually like kind of the bigger markets, bigger powerhouse teams, but like we're getting good looks at 24 different teams right now. And you can really like see where some of these future stars are coming out to play. And you can see like legends already being made moving forward into these playoffs. It's interesting. It kind of reminds me a little bit of the World Cup that we had a few years ago. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah a little yeah, bit yeah. of that. Yeah. Obviously, yeah, a little bit more intense, obviously, but it kind of. It kind of has that tournament feel to it. A little bit, yeah. Well, yeah. best of five, right? Like, what a roller coaster of emotion, too. You know, you go down one game and it's gloom and doom, and then you 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 get the next game and you feel like you're right back in it. Whereas in a best of seven, you go down one game, you're not as worried, right? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. Well, we can talk about this series now after seeing two games, but I don't know about you, but I was seriously worried after that first game. I, I went into I went into the last game. So we're recording this on August 5th, which is a Wednesday. But I went into that game last night thinking, man, everything is going the wrong way for this team. Tyler Toffoli out, um, Louis Erickson in. <laughs> I was just like, this is just not going the way we want it to go right now. And this is a young team. And I, I, it's the most worried I've ever been for this group of players. You know, it's funny that you say that, Art, because before the first game, I was trying to be like, I'm confident, I'm confident, but deep down I wasn't really that confident. Last night I was more confident. Yeah. Because I was like, this team, they probably learned a few things from the first game. They probably looked at the film. They realized they didn't go to the net hard enough, right? And then when I heard Louis was in and I heard about the substitutions of who's out, I'm like, okay, Toffoli's out. That's a blow. That sucks. Louis's coming in. Jake's coming in. And when I heard that, I'm like, okay, Jake for Godet makes sense. And that's actually one of the moves that I was like, I think that should happen after the first game. He did say that, fellas. <clears throat> he did um, say that. The Louis thing is interesting because, you know, earlier on in this uh, this season when the Canucks actually got pretty hot, they had two lines going for him, and Louis was on that second line. It was Tanner the, Pearson, the BLT yeah. line, right? The the bacon, Louis, and tomato line. Um, he actually played over 20 minutes. He played the most out of any Canuck forward. on In even strength. Yeah. Even strength time, he played the most. Crazy. That's nuts. He had a good game. There were moments. Yeah, everybody had a good game top to bottom, in my opinion. The only thing I hated was was special teams. 
Yeah. And it got better as the game went went by. What do you think Markstrom's game? I feel like he's still finding his way right now. Yeah, he is. He, he, you can tell he is, but, I mean, he's good enough to kind of, like, fight it, right? Like, he's he's fighting to find some comfort in that net still, and he is fighting some pucks. But he's playing well enough to win. He hasn't had to steal us anything yet. Well, there's only been two games. I know, but I'm just saying he hasn't had to. So what that you, save against Eric Stahl though last night was big time. Yeah. No, one save he got like right on the doorstep. Now that we've gotten the lay of the land of these two teams, Ugh. just how confident are you? Would you say on a scale of one to ten? Um, I think this series is gonna boil down to who scores first in every game. Mm-hmm. You know, because if if Minnesota scores first and they start playing that shutdown kind of hockey like they did in that first game, uh, <clears throat> it's going to be a lot harder for the Canucks to score. But if the Canucks can jump on them early and score first, then I don't think Minnesota's going to be able to keep up, right? Do you feel like the Canucks have the advantage if this is a game that's very physical, like the series is a physical series? I No. No, I'd say it's about the same. It's pretty evenly matched. I love the fact that uh, refs were actually calling shit yesterday. The Canucks had, you know, what did they have, seven power plays? Yeah, and Brian Burke touched on that a little bit um, as well, just in the intermission talking about how, like, Benning probably had a conversation with, you know, who's ever kind of overseeing this match and being like, you got to call penalties here. Like, this is crap. This is our star, right? And um, it looked like something was heard because in that first game, people were just absolutely taking liberties with PD. And yesterday, like when they were doing that, for the most part, they were getting calls. I kind I like the way this Canuck team is responding physically, though. I I yeah. feel like they're in this series. I I didn't think that was a problem in game one, right? I didn't think effort or matching physicality was a problem in game one. I actually think defense has been the Canucks' strongest. Uh, facet of their game so far throughout this entire series. Might be. Um, like, five on five, anyways. They haven't given up a goal five on five. Edler and Tanev have looked incredible back there. Fantenberg's looked good. Mm-hmm. You know, Myers, even though he can be a bit of a liability in his own end at times, he's been great moving up, and he's been very physical. Like, he's he's probably been, him and Edler have been the two most physical D-men back there. Quinn is all world. Right, Stetcher is even getting in. Like, he's getting in on the action. I just, you know, like, when it comes to scoring goals, um, you got to get that first goal, and you got to stay out of the box as much as you can against this team. And I think that's a recipe for success. And it's it's a cliched recipe for success. No but kidding. That's a recipe it, for success against any team. It is. It's very important with this team. Like, you can't get down early on these guys. This series is not lacking in emotion, though. Would you say that? I think, it, like... No, these, these teams do not like each other, and it, it's the most physical series I've watched so far. Yeah? Yeah, it, and the uh, Rangers-Carolina one. Which course, is already over. Which is over, yeah. Uh, so Tanner Pearson and Brock Besser were asked about the emotion so far in the series. Um, both teams are playing with a lot of emotion, and yeah, it's it's been a battle, but um, it's exciting, and I think our group uh, plays better when you know we're emotionally into it. And Yeah, I think it just shows that both teams aren't, you know, taking any crap from each other there's there's a lot of pushback um a lot of stuff between the whistles but uh um you know at this time of year guys are wanting to win and guys are going to try to do everything they can to uh to win so um you know if that tries means get under guys skins and you know guys are going to do that 
one of those guys, Elias Pettersson, has been taking he's been taking a lot of chippy chippy shots through the first two games. He he's to his credit, and and a lot of people have noticed it. He's not complaining about it, and no. he is just riding it. But he is taking a beating. Can he continue to take that kind of beating? Do you think and be successful? I think the best thing about Petey is he's giving it right back. Like he is not taking it and being like. I need a call, I need a call. He's taking it, and he's being like, oh, yeah, fuck you, right back to, like, whoever's coming at him. And well, ask um, Ryan Hartman how he feels right yeah, now. Yeah, exactly, right? Yeah. And and that's the thing about Petey that I'm, I've been very, very impressed by. It's so nice to have a star like that who who um, who can just come right back at you with the same kind of intensity. Petey's slight of frame, right? Like, he's not the heaviest guy out there, but he's not backing down at all, and I, I love that about him. Yeah. Um, can he take it? For an entire run, who knows, man? He's like, going to have to, right? These guys are going to get chopped and hacked and whatever for as long as they stay in the playoffs. And that's that's kind of like the war of attrition of just who wants it more. You know, like you look at some of the legends who've played through playoffs. Patrice Bergeron won a cup with a collapsed lung, right? It's like, how bad do you want it? Does this team want it more than somebody else? I believe they want it pretty bad, you know? But... Um, in order for us to get there, like these stars are probably going to have to play with a couple bumps and bruises along the way. Speaking of stars, Brock Besser got his first goal in quite some time. I think that's 14 games, 12 in the regular season, yeah. and then just one. So 13 games, he had gone without scoring a goal. He was close. It seemed like he was close, near the, you know, in the regular season and also here in the first game, uh, what do you think of Brock Besser's? I thought Brock played well in the first game, but I thought he even played better yesterday. He should have had another one. Yeah. He got robbed early in that game by uh, Stalock. In front of the net. In yeah. front of the net. Yeah. Um, but, he, man, like, yeah, he's he's played exceptionally well. He was asked about uh, kind of getting off the schneid, so to speak. It's exciting to, to score your first playoff goal, and, um, you know, I think it's a big goal for our team. I thought we our team played a pretty strong game tonight, and, um, you know, obviously it was uh, nice to play with Petey and Millsy. Um, obviously, we have some chemistry from the past, so uh, I feel that we picked up where we left off. And, um, you know, as top six forwards, and we needed to c- contribute tonight, and I thought we did that. Art Aronson teeing up these clips like a madman. What I guess is what I'm Good here work. for. That's what I do. Good work. I uh, like it. Wait, wait, wait. I've done this before. Steering the conversation right back to the clip. Yeah, you got to set it up, right? That's, uh, that's, uh, that's the name of the game here. Yeah. Uh, Brock Besser playing back on that first line. <clears throat> Not saying Tyler DeFoley isn't great on that first line. Here comes line. a clip, everybody. No clip coming up here. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I've used all my bullets, okay? <laughs> I've used all of them up. We're only uh, six minutes into this podcast, and I've used up all of my bullets. Uh, the lotto line. We were screaming for it during the first game. We kind of, I, I, I don't know how many times I said, I was like, it's time to switch it up. Yeah. Right, and for whatever reason, Green was hesitant to do that in that first game. Yeah, uh, maybe because of injuries, he had to do it here in the second game. Um, are you comfortable if Toffoli's out for a significant amount of time? It was reported today that Tyler Toffoli was seen in a walking boot mm-hmm. inside the bubble. Like yeah. the reporting's not quite as good right now because people aren't allowed inside that bubble. Yeah, here's the thing. Um, it's not good. That there's Tyler been a, no. Out. It's not good that Defoli's out. But there's been a lot of cackling about how this team lacks depth and all that sort of stuff. Well, if you lack depth and you lose a guy like Tyler Toffoli and then you play the, your next game 
and you lose a guy like Antoine Roussel and um, Michael Furlan in the middle of that game, and you come out there and you put on that good of a performance, Canucks, like, they still have guys who can go. Great point. Right? I forgot to say that Roussel and Furlan were gone halfway through this game pretty much. Yeah. Louis Erickson was getting power play minutes. Right. It was it was different. Uh, you know, if Erickson, or sorry, if Roussel doesn't isn't a go if Furland isn't a go for this next game yeah at least we feel like we got guys who can step up like guys who can play in the NHL at a consistent level and actually do something right like I know like there's probably some people on the other side of this right now being like they're getting paid too much you're getting paid way too much this and that and this and that fair right fair points but you know like to have the ability to lean on some of these other guys when you do have depth that has been hurt already, look at Winnipeg right now. You know, they had a guy like Brian Little who opted out because he had a perforated ear jump. Dustin Bufflin didn't even play this season, right? And then Shifley gets hurt in the first game. Liney gets hurt in the first no game. No excuses. Right? Yeah. Like, they, yeah, they don't have excuses for that, but their lineup is so much thinner, right? Granted, the Canucks didn't lose two top six forwards. I mean, if right? they had lost Petey and... But Brock, losing to Foley, yeah. it yeah. does hurt, yeah. right? Yeah. And 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 being able to bring in a guy like Jake and a guy who's as defensively sound as Louie and come back kind of into a groove where all these player, players are familiar with playing each other throughout the whole season and to win the game the way they did, it's an impressive win for the Canucks. And the fact that it doesn't matter about money right now. Yeah. He's making what money? It's about bodies and contributing right now. That's yeah. that's all it's about. Yeah, I agree. Getting that W. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously you've heard the recipe for success that I believe in. Art, do you agree with that recipe? Like, do you do you think that there's anything else that the Canucks need to do or need to watch out for well, in was, order to perform? Well, you gotta shut down Kevin Fiala. Like this guy is playing at an all-star clip here, and he he's gonna need He's going to need special attention, I think, at this yeah. point. Is he not? Well, that's on power plays too, right? Yeah. That's also the, the thing. is, And power plays are just not even strength. You know, they brought out the extra attacker and Fiala got lost in the fray. Like, you got to know where that guy is on the ice. Yeah, you, like, he's clearly their best player right now. And mm-hmm. you have to take him out somehow. Uh, there's all this talk about taking PD out and taking the top players for the Canucks out. But the Canucks have to do the same thing to the other team, right? We get focused so much on what our stars are doing. Let's look out and see what their stars are doing and how we can shut them down. I thought the Canucks did a pretty good job on Parise and Stahl. Parise was frustrated last night, man. You could yeah. see it in his body language. Yeah, he was being an asshole out there. Yeah, he yeah. was frustrated. And that's and that's a good thing. If you can frustrate a vet like that and kind of rattle him, you know, that plants a seed of doubt in that team. Yeah, and they have to look out for some of those defensemen that step up into the play, guys like... Um, Spurgeon and Dumba, like those guys are dangerous from the back end. For yeah. me, that's that's the strength of the Wild team. Um, yeah. I I really like what they're doing against some guys who I thought were going to be major factors have not been factors yet in this series. Zuccarella uh, and uh, Greenway, those are two forwards that really haven't heard anything from so far. And yeah. that's a really good sign. That's a testament to the defense that the Canucks are playing right now. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, and, and overall, even shutting a guy like Parise down, that first game, man, that Eric Stahl pass to Spurgeon where he buried that one, I was like, man, that's 
It's tough to stop. Yeah, yeah, and there was but, a nice, there was also a nice pass from Parise to that Suchi guy who, Susie, Susie, Suchi. Yeah. He's him and him and Fiala have been the best players for the Wild so far in these first two games, and I'd never heard of that. You know that Suchi, Suchi guy, guy? Yeah, it's Susie. Susie. I'm gonna call um, him Suchi. Yeah, I'm gonna call him Sushi. Um, Sushi. Yeah. Sushi. <laughs> he was noticeable in in the games that the Canucks played against the Wild in the regular season as well. Yeah. He, he was one of the better uh, defensemen on the ice for them in those games, I thought. Yeah. Um, inter- Jake Furtanen. Inter- inter- well, Jake hold Fertan. on. Hold on just really quickly. Moving forward in this series with Staylock giving up the four last game yeah. and having a goaltender like Dubnik waiting in the wings, I think potentially if the Canucks are able to do this in the next game, put up a four-burger or anything remotely like that, yeah. if maybe Staloc gives up a weak one, you know, I think that that question mark is a lot more apparent for a team like the Wild and some of the other teams in the playoffs is, do I go to Dubnik because of how short this is? Yeah. I don't think Staloc is in any danger of losing that job right now. You don't think so? No, I don't. I think that seed is already starting to swim around in that coach's head. I don't think so, man. Yeah. I think he uh, was perfection in the first game. He got beat a couple times high in this game. I think that... uh, High glove, man. Yeah. Three of them. Yeah. I think that's something he's obviously going to look at, but I I think clearly he's the starter for next game. If he lets in another four goals, then we could have another conversation. Well, that's what I mean. All right. Sure. But, I mean, if Markstrom lets in four goals next game, are we having that conversation? No, we're it? not. We're riding so? Markey. Yeah. Okay. All right. Maybe they think that way, too. Because Staylock, like, won that job pretty clearly for that team. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, Jake Furtanen wasn't in the lineup for game one. Bad was, call. There was a lot of screaming and crying about that. It's a bad call. Do you think it's a bad call? Yeah. Yeah. I honestly think that... Uh, he deserves to be in there more than a guy like Brandon Sutter. You know, a lot of people are using Sutter as the whipping boy here, and Sutter does do some things right, but with Sutter in the lineup and Beagle in the lineup, I think those guys can make each other a little bit more redundant. However... Yeah, but the problem is that they're the same player, pretty much. Yeah. And... How, how, neither of them can score. But, neither of them, however, neither of them can re- contribute. Yeah. But there's a reason yeah. why a guy like Gaudet drew out of the lineup before a guy like Sutter drew out of the lineup. Yeah, right? I know. Yeah. Because, I mean, having a guy like Jake in there and having a guy like Gaudet on his line, that line becomes more of a defensive liability. But if you put Jake in and put Sutter in into the middle, it kind of negates that problem Sutter, as much as it could be a glaring here's issue. Here's the thing about Sutter. For me, he hasn't really earned this. And I I watch him from end to end. He's he's not blowing me away in any I, man, in any facet if, of the game. If there was if there was except a, for a guy who might be able to come in and take a draw when the guy gets if, out. If there was a way to leave Godet and Jake in, I would rather have that too. I would. Yeah. But Godet, man, he hasn't done anything to really show that he can handle that defensive responsibility in a playoff game. Mm-hmm. You know, and I love Gaudet, and I think Gaudet will be a good center and a good piece on this team for a while, right? Well, I think you got to give him more than one game. Yeah, hundred percent. But I like, think, he yeah. did kind of look lost out there. Yeah. And if you are going to put Jake, he there, isn't the only You one, have to though. make that call. Yeah, he wasn't the only one that looked yeah. lost though. So, I don't single know. him out. Like, well, you got to make the move. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah, so Travis Green, are you you think he I mean I think he I think he messed up not having Jakey in that first game. Yeah. You think I it do. may have cost him the first game? Maybe. Um I don't know if it would have cost him the first game, but like the thing that pisses me off about the way that a lot of people look into this is like, okay, well, he didn't have that good of a camp or he didn't do this. I, I'm sorry, man. Like the guy has just like just talents that other players on this team don't have, right? Like he's just better and as frustrating as he is, because he is frustrating because he's not consistent night in, night out. Sometimes he makes bonehead plays, right? But like overall, he's the fastest skater on the team, right? He's big. He can just absolutely wire the puck. You know, those are three things you need in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. That back check last night, people were like kind of like even like looking at that back check that he made, which I thought was a nice play. They were kind of like, well, any player would have made that back check. That's what you're supposed to do. And it's like, no, man, like he made that look easy. He skated up to that no problem, tied the guy up, cleared the puck out of it without any problems whatsoever. I think it was sushi. Right? And it was Russell who made an awful pass, and that's why that's why Vertanen was skating back so quickly. And, yeah, he's got speed. He's got some God-given ability, so to speak. Well, it's like he does. And it, it, it pisses me off because it's like I just wish he'd shape up and be the player that everybody wants him to be. But I also wouldn't punish the guy because – because I'm I'm too stubborn to sit like I'm too stubborn to admit the fact that he's a good player, right? He's a better player than some of the guys who who were up in the first game, playing in the first game. Now you wonder if this is just head games with Travis Green and Jake Vertanen, and also in a this, five game series though, is that is is that a luxury you can afford? Is head games? I don't think so, but this is maybe another like bullet in the tool belt or another tool in the belt of. Travis Green that he can... A bullet in the tool belt. <laughs> yeah, I didn't do very well with that one. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible analogies. This is because I woke up this morning very early. There we go. <laughs> All right. I, I'm just saying maybe it's another, you know, another tool in the belt for him to use. When things are tough, you like, let's throw Jakey out there as kind of a, a uh, you know, an extra curveball, so to speak. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like, it's it's interesting. Right? I'm just trying to get in his head a little bit because this is Travis Green who has used Jake Vertanen in interesting ways Do you for think, the better part of the last two years. But, I mean, like, you think Jake Vertanen's been used in interesting ways in the last years. He almost jarred 20 goals this year. He barely gets a sniff in the top six. Last season when Nikolai Goldobin was riding shotgun for an insane amount of time, right? Like... In the top six, he got all the looks he could have, and he was a liability defensively too, right? Like, I, it makes me just kind of wonder what the heck of a player are they trying to turn Vertanen into, or are they trying to uh, get, like, Jakey to be? Are they trying to get him to be a 200-foot player? Or do you think you could have him up in the top six and have him contribute more offense? And if you're going to do that, you got to play him consistently up there, Right. I don't know. Like, it's it's been frustrating just to see, like, the deployment of him. And I'm not saying, like, I'm not totally defending him because, like, the kid has to, like, he has to work, right, in order to get these opportunities. It just seems that he's getting less of a leeway than guys like Louis Erickson, guys like Nikolai Goldobin, who's out, and uh, yeah. guys like Brandon Sutter. So It's weird. 
And I know that they were mad at him for that nightclub incident, you know? So maybe that's part of the punishment. Head games. But... I said this on the last Between the Stanley. Yeah, it's just it's just bizarre to me. With like, uh, Phil and Mark Adams, I was saying that there's there's a there's there's something going on between coach and player that we don't know about, and it is affecting these lineup decision, decisions that we're not privy to the reasons for it. I think, it, and I think part 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 of the time, it motivates them like it does. Like some of these like little green punishments. I think that's part of it yeah. to get them going, but at the same time. What do you want from him? Yeah. Like, he, I think Green needs to ask himself that question, right? Benning needs to ask himself that question. What do you want him to be? You know, Jake should ask himself that question. What do I want to be in this league? Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah. Enough about Vertanen. All right. Game three, an 1130 start. This podcast have already been out for a day. Maybe when you're listening to this podcast already maybe we've already seen game three it's an eleven thirty a.m start like are, are we throw are we tossing out anybody have any sort of advantage here because we're all staying in this bubble yes. we're all here i am we're not traveling anywhere i am i'm tossing that completely out the window yeah. okay because i when i saw like canuck nation's titties in a huff about it yeah i was just like what's the problem you know, they're in the same town. The other team's in the same town. Nobody's had to travel. It's an odd start for every single uh, every single person playing in that game. So it should be a level playing field, right? That's to say that this and, – and the Canucks have had some pretty cush ice times in this play-in so far compared to some of the other teams. I mean, look, they haven't played a back-to-back yet. Tomorrow will be the first of those back-to-backs, and I think that's why that game is coming early so they can be rested a little more for that second of the back-to-back games, mm-hmm. right? You look at Carolina, uh, New York, like they've been all over the map for their start times and then also um, for games in days back-to-back already. Yeah, they like got that a, series is over. Yeah, and they have to – I think they have to spread these out a little bit, these start times for all teams to make it fair. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I don't think there's any disadvantage f- to one team. I think it's fine. Are you excited for an 11.30 start? Like, this is the middle of the work day for us. I know. Well, obviously, I'm not excited about it for that reason, but I'll do my best to uh, try and catch it. No. I'm not going to – I am going to catch it. Yeah, you my are. My boss isn't listening. I'm going to watch this game, <laughs> right? Like, it's happening. <laughs> Maybe your boss will listen. Who knows? Well, whatever. I can make up the time later on in the day. Yeah. That's the thing about my job. It'll right? be different. It'll be different. This I'm just so happy they won that game because it just means there's another game. Right? That's the way I'm looking at it right now. Let's just take it one game at a time. You were such a naysayer yesterday, though, I was when worried. we were watching it. You were, like, negging every two seconds. This problem for the Canucks. This always happens. But... I don't, could you, the could result you, could was you, good. Could you do that uh, impersonation of me again? Yeah, this always happens. This is what always happens to connect. <laughs> I don't recall saying that once. You got called out for being negative during that game. My buddy's fiance called you out. She's like, is this how you are during Canucks games, Art? You don't remember that? Uh, who is she to call me out? For a Canucks game. <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, 
I, I said to her that I'm usually pretty negative when I'm watching my teams go. That's just kind of the way yeah, I well, do it. Well, that was your defense after she called you out. Yeah, I was like, it <laughs> doesn't matter if you got six NFL championships. I'm still going to be the same way. That's what you've done for me lately, right? Yeah. Well, That's... Art's a hard ass, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. I have no problem admitting that. Yeah. None at all. Uh, even watching the rest of the Stanley Cup yes. postseason. That's what I'm going to call it. I guess restart. Whatever you want to call it, Art. Are you happy with how they put things together here? With the bubbles, you think, with the no fans, with the piped-in crowd noise, uh, the whole overall product. How do you feel? Because we watched six games on Monday on BC holiday, BC long weekend holiday, BC day. We watched every game. I, um, I think the crowd noise could be a little louder, to be honest. I think they're doing just enough so you don't hear the profanities. I don't I don't think it's loud enough. Like it's not getting me jacked up. Yeah. And that's that's my one um like I guess that's my one criticism of this whole thing is like when there's no fans in the stands, it does kind of make a difference, right? A guy gets on a breakaway, the the noise elevates. Oh, I think like uh when we were watching soccer there, they did a pretty good job of elevating crowd noise, bringing it down, scoring chances this way, that way. And I don't think that you need to necessarily do it for, like, a, a home team when they're playing against an away team. I think you could just have that energy, that overall, uh, like, soundscape of energy be higher and ramp up the, the intensity for us as viewers. I don't think the players need it. The players are fine. They're playing hard, right? Um, but from, from a viewing experience, experience, the audio is the one thing that I think could be a little bit better. I think other than that, they've done a tremendous job. Yeah. Right? I, I, and we had this conversation with another person we were watching the Canucks game with last night. The fans not being there, for me, it is not the same because I, yeah, you hear the crowd noise, but I also, you can tell the players' emotions riding on it, like especially after there's a big hit or something like that. And that's not there. I don't feel that. Do you feel? Do, do you miss that? I feel like the emotion was there and the, has been there in the Canucks games, the yeah. big hits. I felt like it's been there in the like. I'm going. I keep going back to see, uh, Carolina Rangers, but I felt like it was there in that series, man. I, and I'm not. And I'm not like, saying the emotion from the players aren't there, but yeah, I don't. I feel like that's exactly what you. No, said. I kind of feel it. It would, <laughs> it would be tenfold. I feel like just the fans really rolling it like a rolling thunder with you know players really feeling the fans i i I don't i think there is something missing there but it's not enough to detract me from saying this is not a playoff product i'm not gonna say that i don't think it impacts the players one bit man like when you saw besser score that goal yesterday he was fucking fired up of course he was like skating away just pumped yelling going crazy yeah not a single fan in the house right i i from a viewing standpoint yeah i think it definitely helps our experience yeah Right, because we ride that wave, and even if it's just psychological, though, that the players are riding it or not, I feel yeah, like maybe I feel like it's something there, but I don't know. Maybe I'm just in my own head about that. You could be art. The NHL returned admits the Black Lives Matter movement. How do you feel? And because I feel like hockey's been in the news about this all year. And maybe I guess it's been a couple of years now with what happened in Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, 
how do you think the NHL like Alou story? Yeah, Akeem Alou, Yeah. How how do you feel? And the Bill Peters, who you know was the head coach there, and then was let go. Yeah, was let go in Calgary as the head coach there. Uh, and hockey's a very predominantly white sport. Yeah, it's uh, considered. I would consider an elitist sport. It's not cheap to play. Yeah. Uh, do Do you think that the NHL and you look at other leagues, and of course they're not going to be the NBA with this because the NBA is this is the NBA was made for culture movements like this. Um, how do you think the NHL has responded in the way they've they, they've they've gone about this? I think at first, like at first, I was just kind of like, "What are they doing?" Like when they were all standing together and stuff, like trying to show unity in that way. Yeah. I was still like acknowledging the anthems and everything. I, and I was I was kind of asking, like, is this mandated by the NHL that they're doing this, or like what's happening? Right. I did, I had no idea, and I, I still don't know have an idea of of what the case is with that. But over time, as this has gone on, I feel like it's it's been better to see these individual players taking stands for this and champion, championing, championing, I can't talk today, uh, Black Lives Matter specifically um, from their own personal standpoints. I think that is way more powerful than anything run by a corporation, than any, like, billboard in the background saying we skate for black lives because I'm like, who's we? Who are, you talk- who are you talking about? Are you talking for the players as the NHL? That doesn't matter to me. You're an entity, right? But when I see a guy like Matt Dumba, you know, go out um, in a game that he's not even playing in and having a speech about why this matters and why it's important to him and why it's a major social issue and doing a good job addressing it, I think that that was very powerful. And I still think it's very powerful for a guy like that to kind of turn the key and allow other players to to work up the courage and do more things like Ryan Reeves, right? And Tyler Sagan, who's been, you know, in these protests talking about this and, and showing, you know, his community how much this matters to him, taking uh, being a champion for this cause. And honestly, a lot of people ask the question, they're like, well, why can't, you know, why can't people go out and just drop the knee and put their hand up and say Black Lives Matter? Why can't they they do this as a gesture? It's a simple thing to do. And I ask myself all the, that all the time. I'm like, why aren't more players doing this? I have no idea. I have no clue. Is it fear? May, maybe it is fear. Who knows? I think it's fear. Right? Yeah. Um, but I, I'm glad to see that some guys are at least coming out of this way. And I thought Ryan Reeves did a really good job when he was down on his knee with with Sagan and in the press conference after being like, like full disclaimer, like I, I'm not disrespecting the flag, right? Like there, he, he just came out and said it. He's like, this has nothing to do with that. Right. And then he, you know, obviously said this has to do with racial injustice and inequality. And this is a country that I love. And I understand that, you know, people died for this country and fought in these wars. So I could be a free person, but not everybody in this country is free. And when he like kind of, positioned it like that i think you know a lot of people who were wondering like what this guy was going to say breathed like a collective sigh and really understood like this is why people are doing this you know yeah but like you know what if you if if any of this shit upsets you right like if if a guy kneeling during an anthem upsets you don't watch it man get out of here hockey doesn't need you because hockey needs to evolve and and people need to treat everybody better right like you can't get stuck with 
with owners who are who are against it or anything like that. Like that doesn't matter. What matters is how you feel as an individual. And I like all the. Yeah, I think Ryan Reeves actually talked about how the owner of the Vegas Knights was yeah. a military Bill, guy. Bill, yeah, yeah, Bill Foley or yeah. whatever his name is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but anyways, yeah, like I, I, I really, really have liked the personal stuff. But I, the NHL as an entity, just like slapping up like we skate for Black Lives Matter and this is like our message, I don't care about a corporation's message. I really don't. Yeah. And I I've, I think I'm a little desensitized to it because I've seen so much of it from like, you know, other major companies when they're when they're even like putting commercials together or like like a car company talking about like, oh, in this difficult time during COVID and like tensions and, and all this sort of stuff. You know, this is how we feel about it here. Buy a Jeep. You know, like, I like it's per, it's people. Is... It's people in that medium who have the power to stand up and and make these messages powerful. It's not the NHL. The NHL shouldn't be mandating it. This is complicated, and I'm gonna bring in a couple of things that I think about, which it it, it rattles around in my head a little bit because I think there's a corporate responsibility by players and the league to show support for it. But there's also this whole disingenuous grandstanding, which I think you alluded yeah. to a little bit as well. So it's like if players aren't kneeling, you know, showing support by everybody just kneeling, I I I think I'm okay with that because what matters more to me is how they go about their daily lives, not whether they kneel at the anthem or not. Yeah, yeah. Right? And if they're not prepared to, like, change the way they do they change change the way they act, the way they watch things that are going on that are not right. Uh, if they're not prepared to make those changes in their lives, then don't kneel at the anthem. Yeah. Does that make any sense at all? But then I understand that if they are kneeling at the anthem, then they are showing support in, like, the corporate way, which doesn't matter as much to me as yeah. the personal responsibility. Yeah, and, and I, Robert Leonard, Robin Leonard is a very interesting case here right yeah. because he's a guy who had trump on the back of his mask right so like if there's any guy and maybe robin leonard maybe people should be looking to robin leonard here for a lesson because uh, i think a lot of these guys are scared to do any type of display like this because people might go back and look at something in their history and be like you're a hypocrite you didn't you didn't support here you didn't march in this rally you didn't do this you didn't do that mm -hmm. right robin leonard had like like I said like a Trump 2016 piece on the back of his mask and then he comes out and he's like listen man I made a mistake I was an idiot for thinking that this guy was going to make this country better he's made it worse this is about human rights I am all for human rights acknowledged it right and I think that was good of him you know and anybody who is fearful that may have done something in the past or may haven't or may have been complicit by not saying anything or standing up for somebody in the past right they can do that too. They yeah. can take a page from Robin Leonard and and um, go out and and talk about this how it relates to them personally, yeah. right? I mean, go, we go back to all this initially happening. A lot of players release personal statements, right? A guy like Jonathan Taves was one of the. I thought his was one of the best, and it was one of the first, right? So we have seen some pretty good things from NHL players. And I think that's what matters. Yeah, I guess, and that's, and I, I think that's kind of what I wrestle with in my head when I, like I told you about that corporate responsibility and the personal responsibility of it all. So, 
I think it's been fine. And I think the players that have been consistently showing support in their personal lives, I guess, like Tyler Sagan and uh, Matt Dumba and Ryan Reeves and Evander Kane and Robin Leonard, they have been outspoken. They continuously are outspoken. And other ones who haven't felt comfortable saying anything, it's okay not to grandstand right now. Yeah. Right? Even though... You know, I know, and that's and it gets complicated that well, way, right? Well, you know, there's that old saying of actions speaking louder than words, and it's true. Actions do speak louder than words, and you know, like putting your fist up or, or dropping to one knee um, to show like unification over a movement is definitely one thing, but like moving forward in your life as a human being, you need to continue with those types of actions to make sure that uh, inequality gets stamped out because. Yeah, and that's I, that's the most important thing. And I can only talk from right. experience as a person of color. Like I was in a Black Lives Matter movement rally with you in yeah. Victoria, and there was a moment in that rally where they were like, you know, it was like raise your fist if you know if if you've ever felt discrimination or something like that. Yeah, and I didn't raise my fist. I'm not gonna lie and say that I've felt the discrimination at you know at any level that any um, you know that we've been hearing about the stories that are out there. I don't doubt that it happens. I know that it happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, it exists in this world, but um, I'm not going to grandstand and say that I have. Right. So I think that's another thing you can throw in there and it's, it's, it, it's uncomfortable, but it's good that it's uncomfortable. Yeah, no, it is. And then it's right? a, it's a good discussion to have and, and it's being there for, for your teammates and showing them support. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm glad we talked about that. I think it's bit. pretty, and I think it's pretty uh, interesting that Matt Dumba, basically, where this movement, like the heart of this movement, um, in Minnesota, you know, was the guy who first came out and spoke, um, playing for you know Minnesota yeah. as a team. It's a good point. It's interesting. Yeah, he also yeah. identifies as Filipino, actually, mm-hmm. right? So he's like half black, half Filipino. So that's interesting. I love it. I love Matt Dumba. I love what he did. I thought he was very brave, and he. He nailed it, man. Yeah. He even said that he he wished he had made a change by, you know, raising the fist or kneeling during the Canadian anthem as yep. well. Yep. And he changed that, right? Yeah. And that's that's great. So I I think uh, he was kind of holding the flag by himself there for a little while of the movement, and he yeah. did a really good job. You know what? You know where I think this would be a little more helpful, like as a whole is presidents of companies coming out with their own personal messages. Like, I, I feel like if Gary Bettman, you know, came out and addressed this, rather than just having, like, a... a we a, skate for this. A, a we skate yeah. sign in the background in an arena, I think it would be a lot more heartfelt and a lot more understood by people that are fans of this game, you know? So, like, and I don't understand why he wouldn't. You know, as uh, as the commissioner for this league and an ambassador for sports in general, I think guys like Gary Bettman, uh, Roger Goodell, a lot of these guys should come out and speak on this and make it a point to, right? Um, And, you know, speak from the heart. Don't speak from words on a page. And that's a part of of the problem with corporate America right now. Everybody's so scared of pissing off, you know, the rich white owners or whatever in the States. So. Yeah, so you got to show courage here. That's another thing, right? Yeah. So I like if uh, I would have so much respect for any commissioner of a league or anything like that to come out and actually do that, right? Because hiding behind, 
you know, like a slogan or something, I think is a lot different. One thing that kind of ticked me off, this is going a little sideways. I mean, still on this, um, still on this discussion, right? Hockey podcast. But we, um, you know, here at our job, we were looking for, like, I mean, we work for Patterson. And they were looking to come up for a statement for our stations talking about this movement, right? And the thing, one of the things that kind of ticked me off is everybody was talking about how should we do it, but then the the job was getting delegated. And it's like, if you guys at the top can't figure out what to say, I'm not going to write it for you, right? Like, this needs to be your statement. You're the leader, right? So lead, you know, just like Gary Bettman in the NHL. He's the leader. Lead. Say something, right? And then let your players follow suit and do what they want to, how they want to uh, protest in any type of way, right? I, I I just think it should come from the top in, in an organization. Instead of it being the elephant in the room sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Back to hockey. Back to hockey. What have you liked watching so far? Other than the Canucks, obviously, in their victory last night. What's the most impressive thing that you've seen so far with this NHL restart? Well, I think Andrei Svechnikov has been the most impressive thing that I've seen so far. And the Carolina Hurricanes. Yeah, like, he's he's incredible. This is like his coming out party. Like, he's always been good. But, I mean, scoring that hat trick and just, again, like another younger guy who is imposing his physical will on players. He got laid out yesterday, like laid out by Smith. And then he comes back and he just starts throwing hits on everybody. Right, playing like a house on fire. Sebastian Aho on that team is otherworldly. He's so fun to watch. That top line, Teravinen, who they got for like nothing on that team, and now he's part of that top line. That that line's gonna be one of the best lines in hockey uh, in the next like two years here. They're already one of the best lines in hockey, but I think they'll be like the top line in hockey. Yeah. You know, like they've been so fun. And then the other big matchup that I've been loving is Edmonton in Chicago to I'm sure no one's shocked. Because that series has been fun. Neither of those teams can defend all that well, and they just pile the pile the nets full of goals. And Connor McDavid with one of the best goals I've ever seen oh, in postseason action. Right? That was insane. Absolutely insane. Yeah. Uh, we were like, we were watching that game. We're like, uh, what? <laughs> oh. Um. Here's a question for you. This round robin thing that we're seeing. Yep. Are you feeling it? It feels a little bit weird for me. Some of the games have been good. Some of the games have been crap. Yeah. Like that St. Louis-Colorado game was pretty good, right? Eh. I thought the finish was exciting because of kind of like the controversy and everything. But I thought there were long stretches of that game where I was just hit hit the snooze button. Yeah. Right? Uh, I think we're, we're watching Tampa Bay and Washington, too. What do you think? Kind yeah, of the that same, was a bit of a snore fest. Kind of the same thing, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't you think the teams are a hesitant, are a little hesitant to go full board here because they know it's not your regular postseason structure? This is, yes, you need to get the points to get the higher seeds. I thought it was a little, it's a little bit weird that the NHL mandates this, but they also like it because they feel like they're getting up to speed and kind of a preseason action. I think that's the biggest part of it. But it's also unfair to make it a seeding tournament. But when you think about it this way, if you are seeding it and you are already playing against the top four in the East or the top four in the West, you know, like you would assume that the team that you're going to be playing regardless is worse. It's just like, to what degree are they worse? 
right? Yeah. And most of the teams are pretty even, I'd say, you know, from five down, right? Yeah, yeah For I the think most so. Part. I think so. I mean, obviously, I think you'd, you'd want to play the Florida Panthers if you're the if you're Boston, right? You're probably going to want to play them yeah. over a team like Toronto or over a team like even the New York Islanders. Yeah. I think, right? Yeah. But who knows? That's been a fun series too, actually. Columbus, Toronto? Columbus, Toronto. Yeah, cause, well, I mean, it's Toronto It's feast or famine, man. Like, Corpus Solo yesterday stood on his head for half of that game, and you could see Tavares just losing his mind. Like, he, he was descending into madness until he finally scored that goal, which was a beautiful goal. Right, Toronto's but, uh, interesting, yeah. and for as much as we bash him here, and dude, they outplayed Columbus so badly yesterday, and the only reason Columbus even had a sniff in that game was because Corpus Allo. Can we get the uh, we stunk? I wish we had that. Yeah, Come on, Art. where's our that. producer here? We yeah. get the we stunk from John Tortorella. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Toronto's interesting, right? They're yeah. just an interesting team. I think the Canucks are interesting now, and I love that. But Toronto's been interesting for a while now. Oh, Whether they sure. win or lose. Whether they win or lose, it's interesting. For sure. Yeah. So that's been fun to watch. Uh Winnipeg, they're in some they're in some trouble, right? Yeah. Because I feel like Calgary's going through the motions and they're up two one on them. Some of Calgary's best players haven't even been that involved in this series yet. Not really? Right? Monaghan showed up last Monaghan last did show up last yeah. night. I thought Giordano hasn't really shown up. Yeah. I don't think Goudreau's done much, but I wasn't expecting Goudreau to do much. Yeah. By the yeah. way, Caleb Kirby here, huge Johnny Goudreau, Johnny Hockey hater. I'm not a hater. I just, after he wilted last season, and I've, I've said this before on this podcast, after he wilted in the playoffs last season, I was like, maybe they know what they have in this guy when it comes to playoffs. And he hasn't done anything yet in this series to show me that he is improving. Or willing to pay the price. Right? Exactly. And that's a big part of it. You know, Petey. Look he's, at what Petey's doing. Yeah, he's willing to pay right? the price. Yeah. That's all it is. I mean, like, if I was if I was Calgary, I'd honestly consider being like, well, what do we do with this guy? But you're also saying that based on last playoffs. And what I've seen from him so far this playoffs. He hasn't changed. That's my issue. He hasn't changed at all. He hasn't done a single thing that when I'm watching him play – I'm like, I have confidence that this guy's going to do something. He hasn't shown that yet. So, I mean, I guess he's got more time to do it. They're going to play one more game, and they'll probably be Winnipeg because Winnipeg's hurt, and then we'll see who they play next. And if he doesn't show up there, then then what, right? Yeah. I'm willing to give him a little bit more of a leash than you are, clearly. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, any other team you see there is in trouble? Obviously, the Florida Panthers are in some trouble here. I feel like they were kind of gifted this game. It actually happened before we recorded this podcast. They Matt Hoffman scored a couple of goals, and Florida was able to force a game four in that series against the Islanders. Islanders look like a mean piece of business, man. I feel like them, them and Carolina would be quite the series. Yeah, I agree with that. Right? I think that would be a great series. Yeah. I'd also really like to see Islanders-Toronto. <laughs> For obvious reasons. Yeah. You know, I just wish there were fans there for that one. Yeah. Could you imagine? Yeah. Jeez Louise. Boy, that would be fun, right? right? Oh. <laughs> Contrasting styles, too, as well. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, anyways, it's, I'm having fun with this. Uh, even, even if the round robin kind of feels a little preseason ish, 
I think we're getting enough of the qualifying games in there to really. I wouldn't pump say it, up. it feels preseasonish. They're on Robin. A little bit. No, no, man. But guys, like preseason, like pre-playoffs. Yeah, yeah, like a pre-playoffs, but not preseason. Yeah, okay, a pre-playoffish yeah. right. kind okay. of thing. If there is such a thing as a preseason for the playoffs, that's what this feels like. Yeah. Okay. No, I see what you're and saying. And who would have thunk that this would ever happen? Right. Yeah. Pandemic does strange things, gives us strange things, and I think we're kind of seeing something a little strange. Yeah. In those round robins. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Caleb Kirby, what do we want in Game 3? I want to see what I saw in Game 2, um, but I want to see it built on. I want that power play to continually improve, and I want to see less penalties. And really, that's about it. I, everything else in, in that second game, I was like, this is great. You know, I want to see Markey get on a run because if Markey gets on a run, there's no telling what this team can do. Yeah. I believe that. Yeah, good point, Art. Really yeah. good point. Yeah. Uh, Caleb Kirby, where can we find you? At Curbman23 on Twitter. You can find me at Art Aronson. You can email us at? Between the Stammers. Uh, you got a couple of emails from a listener, right? Yeah. Did you want to share what any of them said? No, they're they're crap. Oh, wow. <laughs> Called out. <laughs> no, no, no. They're they're good. They're good. It's just it was, it was so long ago that we forgot to uh, to mention them in the first place. Well, who, are really not, who are they from? Now they're really not that topical. Okay, who are they from, though? Just oh, so no, we can give a shout out. Maybe, we'll, maybe he'll email again. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, we were watching the game at uh, – Caleb's uh, good buddy Brian Kirk's house last night, and him and his fiance they were they were great hosts again. They were, yeah. yeah. So, just wanted to give a shout out there. Yeah, good. All right, uh, go Canucks for game three, baby. Go Canucks for game three and four. We'll try and get a podcast in there somewhere. Wow, Saturday. We'll see, Art. Yeah, you never know with us. Yeah, could be Friday. Could be between them. Could be Whopper Wednesday and Caleb doesn't show up. Who knows? Between the games, between the stammers.